fill your passage of scripture. And Amanda, because you're back today, I may use you as an illustration on every turn because we're talking, we've been talking about discovering who you are in Christ. Who are you? Developing and disco- discovering and developing your true identity in Christ Jesus. And our keynote verse is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. So turn there once again because I'm encouraging everybody to memorize this verse. Just get it in your spirit. I've been, I've been studying and thinking and pondering and praying out of 2 Corinthians 4 and 5 for about six weeks now. And I'm telling you, it's, it's still just alive in me, the word of the Lord that's available to us just from these passages of Scripture. So our keynote verse is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Are we up and ready? Did, I, did my wife get it to you, Ike? Here we go. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says there, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. That includes our life. Amen. Now, what we've been talking about is different aspects of who we are. And on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, we've been delving off into it. We realize we're sons of God. All the sons of God say amen. amen. And all you ladies, you're a son of God according to Scripture. So don't, 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 don't look at me funny. That's just you're a daughter, son or daughter of God. We are, we are bought with a price. We're ambassadors for Christ. And when we realize who we are as a child of God, it changes everything. It develops uh, uh, our new identity. We're sons and daughters of God. Then we realize we're saints of God. Everybody say amen. amen. You think, well, maybe I, I don't know if I'm really a saint. If you're a child of God, according to Scripture, you're a saint. You're called out. You're separated unto God. You're holy for God's kingdom purposes. And, and that, too, when you realize who you are, it changes everything. And you begin to walk in that new identity that you you and I have in Christ. Everyone say in Christ. That's the key. We, our new identity is found in Christ. Then we realize we're members of the body of Christ. This is not something you're working towards. It's something you are. You see, you're not working towards being a son of God. You are a son of God. You're not working towards being a saint. You are a saint. You're not working towards being a good member in the body of Christ. You are a member of the body of Christ, individually members of one another. And then, and this is where we've been camping out now for the last few weeks, we are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassador is a representative. And you see that in verse, I think, 20 here in this chapter where Paul says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Look at your neighbor and say, did you realize you're an ambassador of Jesus Christ? Do you realize that? Amanda was an ambassador for Jesus in how many different countries? 11 different countries in 11 months. Ambassador for Jesus uh, in many different countries, many different scenarios, many different places. She was a representative of Jesus Christ. She was God's Christ ambassador. And that's who we are. Amen. Now, some say, well, I don't know if I'm an ambassador. Well, you are one. You may not be a good one, but you are one. We are. This is what we are. This is our identity. Amen. You see, I could deny that I'm Charles Robert Walker's son and, and Ina Mae Walker's son all I want, but it doesn't change the reality of who I am. That's who I am. I could change my name. I could, I could do whatever I wanted to do to deny who I was, but it doesn't change who I am. And so who we are are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And so uh, we looked at the ambassador's authority on Sunday and uh, a couple of Sundays ago. And then uh, last, uh, when, last Sunday, we looked at the ambassador's attitude. Uh, and then what we're doing here on Wednesday night is we're just building on these thoughts. And so we want to continue looking at the ambassador's authority tonight. Uh, gosh, there's so much I want to say. I'm just going to hit you some quick review. How many of you can handle quick review? All right. How many of you were not here last Wednesday? So that let me kind of know. I've got a few. Okay, so I'm going to, uh, uh, the, the theme of last Wednesday, and we're going to continue in that, and then I'm going to shift gears a little bit and talk about the ambassador's attitude again. Uh, but uh, we talked last Wednesday night about activating the authority of God in our life. You see, we have authority. Everyone say, I have authority. We're representatives of Jesus Christ, and we have authority. We have authority over the devil. 
Some, I had three people believe. We have authority over the devil. Amen. Amen. Uh, hey, he's not here to harass us. We're here to harass him. Amen. And so we have authority. But the authority I'm talking about is great commission authority. The, the mandate of God upon us. You see the Great Commission said in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus said, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. And then he basically gives it to us. Go therefore into all the world and make what? Disciples, followers of Christ. We have great commission authority. And that's what Paul's talking about in 2 Corinthians 5. He's talking about great commission authority. He's talking about when he said we're new creations in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Look in verse 18. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Everyone say reconciliation. We have the ministry as an ambassador for Christ. Our ministry is, is to uh, be, as it were, God's voice, God's hands, God's uh, 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 mouth, if you will, his heart to the world. And, and Paul said it's as though God were pleading through us. Be reconciled to God. Now, that's the authority we have. We are ministers of reconciliation and ambassadors for Christ. And so we talked about activating that authority. Now, anyone ever been stopped by a police officer? Anywhere, anyone here ever received a citation from a police officer? Any, well, I should ask, the, anyone here never received a citation from a police officer? We have two. Roberta, are you serious? Give her a hand. We, we need to, she needs to teach us how to drive or something. Or, or maybe you don't, you not drive. She probably doesn't drive. That's what it is. You don't have a driver's license. Oh, she does. Okay. All right. Man, I, let me just say, uh, police officers have authority, right? Would any of us ever received a citation if the police officer just sat in, in uh, the donut shop and ate donuts all day? Nope. They got out and they activated their authority. And they expressed it upon you. And how many of you who received citations from, from police officers, you weren't guilty of what he, what he stopped you for? It was just a, a, only one way. <laughs> we got, well, I, I might have mine halfway up. But you know what? Even if we're not guilty, he's the man in charge. He has authority, and he can activate his authority on you. And if you resist his authority, he can get a little more active, right? He can slap and knock and hunt, handcuff you and take you to jail and cause you to stand before the, the, the judge and all those things. Let me just ask, how many of you ever had to stand before the judge and plead your case? I got my hand up. Okay, we know about authority, right? Uh, and so, but you have to activate it. And that's the same way it is with the ambassadors for Christ. And so I'm going to quickly review. I went through six uh, kind of thoughts that, that, that we need to embrace in our life, biblical truths that we embrace in our life in order for the authority of God as an ambassador to begin to be activated in our life. So here's the quick review. I said all that to kind of get you to this point. Here we go. We activate our authority as ambassadors, number one, by way of our position in Christ. That I've hammered that and hammered that. Where are we? We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. We're in him. We're abiding in him. We are in him. He is in us. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me. That's our position. And I in him, the same bears much fruit. That's a huge verse. John 15, 5. I meet a lot of Christians who say, preacher, I'm a Christian, but I don't see this new life that you're talking about. I don't see this old things passing away. I'm battling. In fact, in some ways it's getting worse. Well, it's a two, it's a two part program. I in him and he in me. You see, if he's in you and you ain't in him, you're not abiding in him. And therefore, the new life that God has for you, the new identity you have is, is in, in, in not being made manifest in your life. So we position. It's an important thing. Everyone say position. So when you get positioned in him, in the spirit, in the body of Christ, it begins to activate the authority of God in your life. And then we talked about submission. You see, you can't be an authority till you're submitted to authority, right? You see, you've got to be under authority. In fact, even Jesus, everybody with me say I'm here. I'm here. 
Even Jesus was under authority. He said, I, didn't, I came to do what the Father tells me to do. I'm under authority. I'm a delegated authority. I only do what he tells me to do and what I see him do. I'm submitted to him. And how many of you know the Bible teaches us to be submitted to God and to the delegated authorities that God puts in our life? And when that happens, it begins to activate God's authority in our life. Amen. And then we talked about knowledge. Everyone say knowledge. Whoo. What does Hosea say? My people are what? Destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That's what Hosea says. And, and you know what? Ignorance is no excuse. The devil come whip up on us and beat us up and throw us around and kick us and, and, and we go, oh Jesus, the devil beat up on me. We were just ignorant of our authority. And Paul said in a couple of places in Corinthians especially, he said, I would not have you ignorant brethren. How many of you know God doesn't want to be the brethren to be ignorant? And it's just because we're ignorant does not, that's no excuse. And so the knowledge of God, and oh, there's so many places in Scripture where the Bible says, uh, you know, Paul in Ephesians prayed that we might know uh, his truth and his, the revelation of God, that our understanding would be enlightened and we would know the inheritance we have in Christ. And so uh, people say, well, I, do I have to study the Bible? If you want to walk in the authority of God for your life? Do I have to come to church and listen to the preacher? If you want to walk in the authority of God for your life, there's some things you and I have got to know. Amen. And so that's what I'm on a war path against ignorance. It's knowledge. It activates the authority of God. And then we use the number four, acknowledge. This is from Philemon 6 that says that we should acknowledge. He said, in fact, he said, if you want to excel in your witness or the testimony of your faith, you've got to acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ. Everyone say in Christ. You see, if you don't acknowledge it, it's not going to be activated. If you don't acknowledge that you're a child of God, a son of God, you're adopted in the family of God, and you have the authority of God, and know you can tread upon lions and, I mean, pardon me, tread upon the, 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 the serpents and the scorpions, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. If you don't acknowledge who you are in Christ, you'll never activate the authority of God in your life. Most people acknowledge who they used to be. Well, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Bless the Lord. And just start talking pathetic about themselves. Well, I'm just toe jam for Jesus. I'm just, hey, I'm just a scumbag who's been brought out of the dregs of life. Well, thank God he brought us out of the dregs of life. But when you got born again, you got transformed in a new creation. All the new creations say amen. And we've got to begin to acknowledge that. I am a child of God. Bless God. I'm not abused, beat, and bloodied, and battered, and, 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 Nobody for Jesus. I am somebody. I'm an ambassador for Christ. You acknowledge that. Amen. It activates the authority of God in your life. And everybody said amen. And then we talked about agreement. The authority of God is activated in our life when, when we begin to agree not only with God but with one another. The Bible says we're two or more gathered together. and Where we agree together, we come into agreement and harmony together. It activates the authority and the capacity of God in our midst. You think about the first century church. When you read Acts chapter 1, 2, and 3, they're all together in one place, in one accord, and the Holy Spirit falls. P Peter gets up and preaches under the authority of God in his life, and 3,000 plus people get saved. How did that happen? Well, the Holy Spirit fell. How, did the, how come the Holy Spirit fell? Because the people were in the Spirit and under the authority of God, and they were agreeing together for God's kingdom to come and His will to be done in their life. Boom, it activated the authority of God in their lives. You see it? Look at your neighbor and say, you see it? This is all review from last Wednesday. And here we go. Then we talked about confidence. And we talked about confidence Sunday. But, hey, we activate God's authority by the faith of God in our life. We walk by what? Faith. 
not by sight. We have confidence in who we are and what God's called us to do. In fact, the Bible says in Matthew 28 about Paul the Apostle in the latter years of his life, even under uh, the thumb of, 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 of the prison system, it says he, he preached the Word of God uh, with great confidence. He walked in the confidence and the authority of God in his life. So confidence activates uh, the the authority of God in our life as an ambassador for Christ. Whew, that was all review. Everybody go, whew. So, man, for you that weren't here, you got last Wednesday night's 50-minute message in about 20 minutes. And so here's what we're going to do now. You ready? Let me tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to give you four more of these, and then we're going to shift gears, and we're, talk, we're going to talk some more about the, the attitude of an ambassador that we talked about Sunday morning. Are you ready? Can you handle it? Here we go. Let me give you a few more. Uh, a few more important elements to activating the authority of God in your life as an ambassador because we have authority, and it is this, obedience. Oh, no, let's, before we do obedience, let's do stability. Now I'm going to slow down. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. In fact, if you want a Bible study, if you want to, if you want to delve off and begin to grow in Christ, all on your own, here's a great Bible study for you. It's 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 through 11. And I'm going to point out a couple of things. Because we're talking about stability, being stable in our walk with God. All right? Follow me. I'm going to read this passage of Scripture slowly. Simon, a bondservant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith, with us by the righteousness of God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know what? He's talking to us. How many of you have obtained a like precious faith? We've got it. Amen. He said, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our, our Lord. Oh, I could preach right there. How many of you know grace and peace is multiplied when you have the knowledge of God in your life? All right. And he says, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Whoo, I love this. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Did you get it again? I'm preaching one of these points. He, we obtain all things. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. In other words, if you don't have knowledge of him, guess what you're not tapping into? Those things that pertain to life and godliness. And then he goes on in verse 4, by which has given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these we might be partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And here we go. And for this, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence and to your faith virtue. Now, notice this is, this is where we come into play. What did we obtain from God? Look up verse 1. We obtained like precious faith. And you know that it's a gift of God. Ephesians 2 says, for God, it's, it's a gift of faith. For, not by works of righteousness we've done, but according to his mercy he saved us. He's given us faith. And so we have a responsibility to build on that faith. Here he goes. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. Here's some great topics to study. And to knowledge, self-control. He's saying, add these things into your life. This is your responsibility. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, uh, love. Now catch this. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old, old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. Here's the keynote verse when we're talking about stability and how it impacts our responsibility as an ambassador. Therefore, brethren, uh, be, more uh, make, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Everyone say, never stumble. never stumble. Now, there's a Bible study for you. If you want to study the Bible, you, talk, you start studying these things that you and I are to add into our life and begin to develop in our life. And he says, hey, it 
when we do, it makes our calling and election sure. What's our calling? Ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Ministers of reconciliation. As though God were uh, uh, speaking through us uh, in Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. And, and here's the point. When you begin to stabilize your world. And let me just say, let me just, let me just delve off here a minute. I meet a lot of Christians who just seem like their world is always convulsing in instability. Instability all around them. Could I tell you, could I, could I just give you a little secret here? If you will stabilize your spiritual life, everything else will come into balance. I'm going to say it again. Listen carefully. You might have somebody you need to share this with. If you'll begin to stabilize your spiritual life and begin to make your calling and election sure, everything else will begin to come into balance. Listen, your world around you is subject to the spirit realm. But if your spiritual life is out of balance and unstable, everything else in your life is going to be unstable and then chaotic and out of balance. Man, that's good preaching. I didn't even have it in my notes. So understand this, if you want to really walk in the authority of God, you make your calling and election sure, you begin to stabilize your world, and what happens? God's authority begins to be made manifest in your life. Okay? Everyone say stability. It'll, you stabilize your world, begin to make your calling and election sure, you stabilize your spiritual life, Everything else is subject, subject to the, the, the Spirit of God and the authority of God in your life. And, and chaos is turned into order and structure and stability. And then the authority of God has begun to be made manifest in your life. Who, As a good ambassador for Jesus Christ. Number eight, here we go. Activating the authority of God. Number eight is obedience. Everyone say obedience. obedience. Disobedience, of course puts you at odds with God. How many of you know the Bible says that uh, we should not be the enemy of God? But disobedience and sin, and how many of you know disobedience is sin? It makes you the enemy of God in many ways. And so for certain, you're not going to walk in God's authority. But when you obey him, it unlocks God's authority in your life. He knows he can trust you. In fact, in the Second Peter passage that I read to you, look in verse uh, 11 again. Uh, what's the last sentence say? For if you do these things, you will never stumble. In other words, if you're obedient to the word of the Lord in your life, obedience releases the authority of God in our life. Luke chapter 10, you don't need to turn there. I'll tell you the story. Luke 10, you know what Jesus is doing? He's, he's releasing the 70 out into the harvest field as ambassadors for Christ. He lays hands on them. He goes and tells them, go heal the sick, pre preach to them the kingdom, uh, you know, uh, just do the kingdom business and be my ambassadors in the earth. And they go off. In obedience to the command of God on their life. And they come back. And they are amazed. And they said this to Jesus. It's amazing. Even the, even the demons were subject to us in your name. What did they learn about their obedience to the command of God and the call of God as an ambassador for Jesus Christ? They learned that when they got out into the harvest field and began to obey the word of the Lord over their life, that the authority of God was released and it moved into the demonic realm and they got victory over demons. Whew. Somebody say amen. You see, when I start preaching, you need to start acting like I'm preaching. Do they, do they amen you over and all the, hey, come on now. You help me. I, I need help here because most people sit around and go, oh, the devil. Now get out into the harvest field and begin to move forth. And it says, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Another, you, know what the, you know what Pastor Sam's kind of uh, blow this verse up a little bit? They were experiencing the authority of God in every area of their life. And they were amazed it got off into the demonic realm. In other words, sickness was subject to them in the name of the Lord. The authority of God released when they began to walk in obedience to God. Somebody 
say amen. amen. And then let me give you two more, and then we'll shift gears. Sensitivity. You see, you activate the authority of God by staying sensitive to the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God has revelation and insight that moves us into divine opportunity. And throughout the Scripture, we see that God's Spirit would come upon people and provide them insight and revelation that activated the authority of God in their life. I think of Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle in Acts 16, he had a vision from God. And this vision, which was revelation uh, from the Spirit of God, the, 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 the revelation was he saw the vision was a man from Macedonia saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. How did that happen? Sensitivity to the things of the Spirit. And so if we stay sensitive to the Spirit, we walk in the Spirit. Guess what? We're walking uh, under the submitted uh, 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 authority of God's Spirit in our life, and we begin to uh, move in another realm. In fact, 1 Chronicles 12 talks about the sons of Issachar. Even in the Old Testament days, it says the sons of Issachar had understanding of the times. They had a spiritual insight to the to, to the spiritual realm and what was going on in their day. They were sensitive to the things of God. And I just have to tell you today that if we'll walk in the Spirit, we'll walk in the authority of God, and we'll hear the Spirit of God say to us, this is the way, go ye in it. And as we follow this and we're sensitive to the Spirit of God, we find supernatural opportunity. We find ourselves in the middle of divine opportunity. Amen. I have a pastor friend I was uh, eating with uh, the other night. We went to see my mother and uh, uh, Pastor Sonny Knatzer's 60th birthday. We were eating out, and he told a story about he and another pastor were eating at this same restaurant last week, and, and the waitress came up and, and uh, just was taking good care of them. And uh, one of the guys said, one of the pastors said, you know, just started up a conversation with her. And, and uh, before long, as they stayed sensitive she said, well, you know, I've just been in, this, in town for about three months, and I haven't been to church yet. And so they, they figured out where she lived and said, well, you're closest to his church. And she's, she's not missed Saturday night church in, in like two months. And so, wow, staying sensitive as ambassadors for Christ. Transform people's life. Amen. So the final one of these that I'll give you today, and then we're going to shift gears, is this. It's our testimony. And this is a powerful one. It says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, and this is a prophetic declaration of when it's all over. And if you want to be a part of this prophetic declaration, you, not, you need to begin to uh, activate this one in your life. And it says this about them, and that hopefully is us. Revelation 12, 11, and they overcame him, speaking of the devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Two important elements here. The blood of the lamb, that's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus did. He shed his blood to give us the capacity to become children of God and saints of God and ambassadors for Christ. As a result, we have his authority. But they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. How many of you have a testimony? Amen? How many of you, you know, uh, you, you realize, whoo, God has delivered me. I mean, I'm, I, I did have an old life that has just... Has just was, but God's given me a new life. I have a new life. It doesn't matter if you have a testimony. What matters if you declare your testimony. You begin to speak what God has done in your life. You begin to testify to the good things of God, and you begin to speak it out. There's power in the spoken word of God through your life. It releases the authority of God in your midst. Amen. Oh, and I could give you illustration after illustration but even in creation what did God do to create the whole world he spoke it into existence in fact Mark eleven twenty three 23 talks about uh, believing and having faith and prayer and it says uh, if we we have in, in the context of prayer and faith we have whatever we say 
that is in the context of faith-filled prayer. It's not whatever we believe. How many of you know, you, you believe in it's good. But the Bible teaches us that it's the word of faith which we speak. Not, not just faith, it's the word. We're speaking it out and declaring it. Amen. Somebody say amen. And we got to begin to speak it into reality. The testimony of God. It releases. It activates the authority of God. And so ambassadors catch this. We, we're responsible for, you know, if you're going to activate something, it takes action. We got to position ourselves. We got to activate the submitted heart of God. We got to activate the knowledge of God. We got to begin to acknowledge. We got to activate all we are in Christ by acknowledging who we are in Christ. We've got to begin to agree together. We've got to build our faith and have confidence. We've got to be stable and stabilize our world spiritually. Obey the authority of God. Be sensitive to the Spirit and speak it out. And I'm telling you, we are ambassadors with authority. My goodness, I ought to write a book. And so, there you go. Now, everyone get your gear shift here, and let's shift it. Don't grind them too much. But here we go. We're going to talk a little bit about and kind of seal the deal on the ambassador's attitude for just a moment. I've got a few minutes. Uh, If you remember, uh, if you're still in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, go back there, 2 Corinthians 5. We talked about the ambassador's attitude. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 5, has a whole lot about our attitude. And, and I kind of gave you the illustration. If you remember John Maxwell, I quoted him. He said, attitude is everything. Uh, and then he kind of f- fixed that a little bit. He said, it's not necessarily ever, everything, but it's the, it's the great difference maker. And he gave this illustration uh, as a pilot. Uh, and, and pilots have instruments on, their, on the dash of their plane. The one is the altimeter. The altimeter tells you your... Come on, the altimeter tells you your altitude. And then there's the attitude. It's an actual instrument. The attitude, in fact, it looks like this. There's a straight line across there, and then it shows you the wings of the plane. And, and if, you're, if your plane is out of sync with, uh, and it's not lined up, with, that means your attitude is wrong. And how many of you know, if the attitude of an airplane is off kilter, what will it eventually do? It will crash. Same way, and the illustration is this, with the attitude of our life. If our attitude is wrong as an ambassador for Christ, we will eventually, come on now, help me now. From the back all the way, if our attitude is wrong as an ambassador for Christ, we will eventually crash. And so it's hugely important for us to have our attitude in right, level, straightforward, pressing forward, Perspective, And here's the three attitudes I gave you Sunday. The first one was the attitude of confidence. All right? The Bible says, uh, gosh, in many different places, but 2 Corinthians 5, Paul said, I'm always confident. You see, as an ambassador for Christ, if you're always questioning, if you're always doubting, you will crash. But if you're always confident, in him and his purpose and plan for your life, your attitude's right. And then we talked about the attitude of readiness. Everyone say readiness. In fact, I gave you two thoughts here because when you read 2 Corinthians 4 and 5, you'll find, and really Philippians 1, you'll find Paul is always ready to go to heaven. He's got it straight with God about eternity. In fact, he's, he would rather be there than here, he said. Philippians 1.23, I'd rather be there than here, but I know it's better for me to be here for your sake. He's ready to go to heaven. He's got it straight with God. In fact, you read that and you read 2 Corinthians 5, you'll find, he, hey, it just, he's just ready. It doesn't matter to him. Uh, the momentary light afflictions in 2 Corinthians 4, uh, they're just working for him a far etern- more eternal weight of glory. All this world that he's living in is temporary. It's a, it's a momentary uh, light affliction. I'm on my way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas. He's got that straight. He's ready. And I'm telling you, the reason most people as ambassadors are off kilter always, they don't have it straight with the understanding of eternity. That this is the least amount of time you'll ever spend anywhere is planet Earth. And the life we live now ought to be in reference to eternity. 
We're going to talk about that in a moment. But Paul was also ready to bring, not a, he wasn't only, only ready for heaven. You know, some people are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. He was ready to help. And you read that in 2 Corinthians 5, an ambassador for Christ. As though God were pleading through me. On Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I'm ready to help. First Peter 1 Peter 1.23, I'd rather depart and be with Christ, but to be here and to help you is, more, is better. And so I'm going to stay because I'm ready to help. Ambassadors have to live in a state of readiness with great confidence. And number three, the third attitude I gave you was the attitude of servitude. You see, Paul said this. He said in a couple of these passages in 2 Corinthians, the first one that I draw uh, uh, from is verse 9. He says, therefore, we make it our aim, whether absent or present, and that's in reference to be dead or alive. He could have said dead or alive or in heaven on earth. That's what he's talking about. I make it my aim, whether on, in heaven or on earth, to be well-pleasing to him. I'm here to serve. And then he, he draws the bigger picture for all of us, all of us who have received Christ. He says in verse 15, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. In other words, uh, ambassadors have to embrace the reality that I, it's not about me. I'm not here for me. He died for me. He, he'd given me the ministry of reconciliation. It's not for me. I don't live for myself. I live for him. It's an attitude of servitude. Even Jesus. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. And that's what we talked about Sunday morning. Now, the final few minutes, I'm going to give you some biblical attitude adjusters. Because let me just ask you, how many of you from time to time need an attitude adjustment with your confidence? I got my hand up. You ever battle those little, little doubt demons? In your life to just come up, you, oh, man, I need an attitude adjustment. I have to adjust my attitude on a daily basis. And I think if we'll embrace some of these biblical attitude adjusters I'm going to give you in just a moment, we won't have to every day have to have an attitude adjustment. And, then, and, and, and if we'll do that, guess what? We fly level and we're productive for God. And so... Uh, let me give you some biblical attitude adjusters. Here we go. The first one is eternal perspective. I hinted on it. I kind of hammered on it, not hinted. I hammered on it just a minute ago. We've got to get an eternal perspective about where we are, what's really going on, and the big picture. The big picture is this. We're here for a limited amount of, amount of time. And it's the whole purpose is to get more people to heaven and less people to hell. And if we gain the eternal perspective, and that's what 2 Corinthians 4 and 5 are all about. In fact, gosh, what, what should I read? If, let's just read chapter 4, verse 7. Let me, let's just get this heavenly perspective here. I'm just going to read the Bible. I'll read it slowly because I only have three points here and we can be done pretty quick. But catch the heavenly perspective Paul has. But we have this treasure, speaking of the gospel, speaking of the ministry, speaking of uh, the word of reconciliation. You just go back and look, verse 1 of chapter 4. Since we have this ministry, we don't lose heart. Uh, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. In other words, temporary, non-eternal vessels. We have an eternal treasure in a temporary house. You got it? In fact, you go down to chapter 1. He talked about our earthly tent. If it is destroyed, we have a house in heaven. And so he says we have this treasure in earth and vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We're hard-pressed on every side but not crushed. We're perplexed but not in despair. He goes on in that fashion, talks about the, the spirit of faith in verse 13. And he says, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus, verse 14, will also raise us up with Jesus and present us to you for all things are for your sakes that the grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our momentary light affliction, which is but for a moment, uh, is working for us a far 
evermore and what? Eternal weight of glory. Paul has some eternal perspective. He says, for while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I want to tell you, some of us, all we can see is what we see. We look at the gas prices going down. Oh, they went down to under $3.26. And we're, oh, our whole life is just consumed with the things we see. Hey, there's, a, there's something working around us that has to do with eternity, eternity not the temporary. And then he goes on and on and on. But hey, if we will gain an eternal perspective about our life. You know, I've had a lot of things happen around me and in me and through me these last few years. As I, especially as I get a little older. That caused me to begin to think more about eternity and the eternal perspective. But it not, it not ought to be just motivated by old age. It ought to be motivated by the reality that all of us are but a vapor on planet Earth. Are you with me? It'll adjust your attitude. It'll get you back on track. It'll, it'll cause you to begin to gain great confidence. It'll cause you to begin to uh, uh, ready yourself, not only for heaven, but for helping others. It'll cause you to get your attitude of servitude back in line and realize, whoo, I'm going to stand before God one day. And that leads me to the next one. And that's not, it's not only eternal perspective, but the understanding of eternal reward. Now, look at this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 9 and 10. Here's what it says. Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one might receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Daniel, did you know you're going to stand before Christ? Rosie, did you know one day you're going to stand before him? Now, the, the phrase judgment seat of Christ sounds a little scary. And it probably should be. But when you get the big picture of what he's talking about, you'll begin to realize that, that when we stand before him, the only things that are going to count are the things that count. In fact, the Bible says some people stand before me and say, well, we did all these great things in your name, and your name did mighty many miracles. And, and those people really didn't do anything for God. They never really were his, his children. They're just saying they were. They didn't have the fruit to back it up. But, you know, when you study the Bible, all, when we get into his presence, all the things that were wood, hay, or stubble, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, you can read it later, it all gets burned up. And the only thing that lasts is that which is gold and and and. and and good and right and, and endures the, the fires of God's presence in our life. But we will stand before him and give an account of the life we lived on planet earth. It will happen. Are you with me? Smile and nod. Say amen. Now that, the reality of that ought to adjust our attitude in reference to our responsibilities as ambassadors for Christ. You know, some people can schmooze their way through life, never really, really go in the distance, schmooze, fast talk, this, that, and other. How many of you know when you get to heaven, you're not going to schmooze God? He already knows. He knows what we did and didn't do. And if we stand before him, having done our best to be who he called us to be and created us to be, we have the potential of hearing, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now, let me, let me just give you the bigger picture. In case you're thinking I'm talking about the great white throne judgment where lost people are thrown off into hell, that's a whole different meeting, and you don't want to be in that one. This one that I'm talking about, the judgment seat of Christ, is more like, in fact, uh, the, one of the Greek words there, judgment seat, the bema, B-E-M-A, it really is a reference. You ever seen the Olympics? You know the Olympics? They have three tiers, the gold and the silver and the, what is it, the bronze. 
and they have different tiers? That's the word picture. It's an award ceremony for what you did for him on planet Earth. Are you with me? It's the eternal reward. He wants to reward. He will reward us for how we live our life on planet Earth. It ought to adjust our attitude a little bit. Amen. Get us focused on the harvest field. Get us focused in confidence and readiness and servitude. And then finally, the third biblical attitude adjuster that I want to share with you is it kind of overarches all of it. It's, it's God's eternal purpose. The, real, the reality, now catch this. Let me draw a picture for you. God created the world. You get it? Spoke it into existence. The universe, the solar system. Boom, boom, boom. And then he focused right down on a little speck in this universe. A little planet called Earth. And he spoke life into Adam. And he created for him a helpmate. That was his plan. Think about it. Think about this. All of eternity around, all of the universe, all of the solar system. Man. He made it, made man in his own image. And he went, ooh, now that is good. Voila. You got it? And then on the seventh, when he got it all done on the seventh day, he went, whew, what was the last thing he made? Man, ah, I love it. And you know what he did with Adam and Eve? He gave them authority. And he said, take dominion, it's yours. It's all yours. But don't eat that shiny fruit on that tree right over there. For the day you eat it, you will surely die. And old Diablo showed up and everybody gets on to the woman for believing the lie. But my question is, where is Adam, the authority, when the devil's hassling his wife? Both parties deferred their authority, and as a result, sin entered into humanity. And from that day until now, everyone on planet Earth, whoever was, whoever will be, the Bible says they were born in sin. They're natural-born sinners. It is our nature. And as a result, we are now separated from God. I'm talking about God's eternal purpose. Listen carefully. The whole world, born in sin. Hey, in August, Taylor Deanne, my first granddaughter, is going to be born into the world. And she will be so sweet. And she will love her papa. And papa will love her. It will be a wonderful world. But she's a natural-born sinner. And as she starts growing, her sin nature <laughs> will begin to come out. Because we're all sinners. And God looked down over this whole thing that he created to give over to mankind and to have, let them have dominion and enjoy it. He created them in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. And oh, he was happy. And he rested on the seventh day. And then they went off and blew it. And they were separated from God. And God looked down and he developed a plan and a purpose. Through Jesus, Jesus paved the way, paid the price, so we could be his children. 
and be reconciled to God. God was in Christ. Reconciling, verse 19, reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. The church, his ambassadors, have been invested with the fulfillment of his eternal purpose in the whole earth. That ought to tweak our attitude a little. That ought to get us back in line with some confidence and some readiness and some servitude and walking in the authority of God for our life. Amen. That ought to adjust our attitude. An eternal perspective about heaven. The reality of an eternal reward that we're going to stand before God and the understanding of God's eternal purpose he has invested in us that God put within us the word of reconciliation we've got it amen it's not a word it's the word there's no other way listen there's no other way to get to heaven except through Jesus There's no other way to be reconciled to God except through the word of reconciliation. And that is this in that last verse. Uh, Let me close my Bible a little quick here. But the last verse of that chapter says this. For he made him, that is God made made Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. There it is. Wow. Let's stand together tonight. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask us now, rather than just be dismissed, let's just bow our heads for a moment and say, God, help our attitudes be adjusted.